1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this New Books Network podcast. My name is Catriona Gold, and I'm a PhD candidate at University College London. Today, I'm privileged to be speaking with Mark Nyokas about his fascinating new book, The Politics of Immunity, Security and the Policing of Bodies which was published by Verso earlier this year, that is 2022. Mark is Professor of the Critique of Political Economy at Brunel University in London and is most well known for his previous work on police power and security. Mark's previous work has been incredibly useful for my own research and teaching, so I'm very excited to be speaking with him today about this new book. So without further ado, thank you for joining me, Mark.
1: Thank you very much for having me here.
0: Well, I'm hoping we can start um, with you telling us a bit about yourself, your academic trajectory, um, what you've been working on before now leading up to this book and, and maybe how the book connects with that. So that's, that's a pretty broad question. But I'm, I'm wondering if there's, a, you know, what kind of connections there are with your previous work or, or whether this book is a new direction for you. So tell us a bit about that.
1: Sure. Um... Well, it's a new direction in some ways, um, but in many ways it, it's a continuation of work that I've been doing for twenty plus years now, um, and I'll come to the the new direction in in just a moment. Uh, I mean, my my originally my my work way back as a PhD student was an attempt to rethink the state civil society distinction, and and out of that I became interested in the concept of of police. Um, and then I developed that argument, with a, which appeared into a, in a book, into a, a critique of uh, police power. And as I was working on that book, I became interested in, in the intersection between policing and security. And so I developed the argument into what became a, a book called Critique of Security from 2008. And since then, I've been developing the argument in different ways. I've been connecting um, arguments about police power to uh, the idea of war power, trying to synthesize the two concepts together. Again, trying to rethink this in relation to, um, to the state and, and how the state polices capital and polices bodies. Um, so there's been a kind of constant theme of, of security, police, war in my work. And this book, Immunity, Politics of Immunity, is very much about trying to connect the idea of immunity to the idea of security. But at the same time, there's also been a theme in my work, which is an interest in arguments around um, bodies, how we imagine bodies. And by bodies here, I mean not just physiological bodies, but bodies such as corporate bodies and, of course, the body of the state. And one of the things that comes out of the politics of immunity is 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 a kind of question of, you know, what happens to our political imagination about the state once we have the concept of immunity? You know, what how, how does how does our how do we how does our imagination of the body politics shift once we think about bodies in general through the lens of immunity? So in lots of different ways, the, 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 the concept of immunity picks up on various arguments that I've made over the years. But of course, it takes it in a very new direction as well, which is what you intimated earlier. It, it, um, it takes me into the world of, um, of uh, medical humanities, of the history of ideas outside my usual range of interest. It, um, as you know, the book picks up on psychoanalytic ideas about how we imagined how we imagined the psyche in relation to to the somatic. Um, so it takes it takes my work in a in in a new and for me what was quite exciting direction.
0: Right, that's great. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if to sort of ground. Okay, so we have this point of departure, um, working with some new concepts, new material. But I'm wondering if we could, before we get on to that, if we could talk a bit more about how you how you have conceived of security in your previous work. Because it does, it does connect, and I think it would be helpful to get that context in here. What what is security to you?
1: Okay, so um... Yeah, the book is called The Politics of Immunity, but it is very much about the concept of security. Um, I became very concerned uh, 20 plus years ago about the ways in which security was, was being articulated and had been articulated as the grounds of um, state policies, the grounds of what we might call loosely intervention, but it's in a sense too weak a term, that security was the terrain on which the state administers civil society, transforms political subjects. Um, And I tried to develop that uh, into a into what became the book critique of security to argue that we need to resist the imposition of security in our world we need to try and think politics outside of security or beyond security because as soon as we start thinking politics through the lens of security it's very easily appropriated by what i call the security industry and by the security industry i don't just mean Uh, capitalist corporations. um, I also include in the concept of the security industry, the the state itself. So there's an industry, an industry that is kind of simultaneously economic, social, and political, which imposes security on us that makes us think that the only way we can can imagine the world is through the lens of security that treats security as the the highest of all uh, 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 virtues or principles. Um, and I think, you know, that's a problem. Um, so I was, I was trying to engage in the critique of security in order to try and, if you like, begin to imagine politics differently. You know, in other words, a politics of emancipation, or even if you like, a politics of revolution, you know, would not be conducted, should not be conducted through the principle of security, through the lens of security. In other words, you know, we know we, we, we should be thinking about setting ourselves up against security.
0: Right. That's yeah, that's really helpful. Um yeah, and if people wanted to read to read more about kind of be more of this earlier work, where would you, on, on security or perhaps even on police power, where would you recommend they start?
1: Well the are you talking about my work? Yeah, your work.
0: Yeah, yeah so absolutely. So
1: my book, Critique of Security, came out in 2008. Um, I would direct them there. Uh, last year, 2021, um, there was a new edition of a book that I first published in 2000. The, the original book was called The Fabrication of Social Order, A Critical Theory of Police Power. It came out last year with a, with the, the, the t- subtitle in the title... Um, Uh, transferred to each other. So it's now a critical theory of police power. Um, That develops the argument about security, but very much through the lens of police. 2014, there was a book called War Power, Police Power, which tries to synthesize the concepts of war and police as a way of, of thinking about the state and capital. But I would also say, if people, you know, wanted uh, uh, to, to to think about these things not directly through the lens of, of police, war, security, they could go to a book uh, called *The Universal Adversary*, um, which is a, about this category produced by the national security state in 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 the U.S., where they tried to imagine a an enemy which they you know, didn't want to name specifically because that was annoying too many people because it always intimated that it was a kind of Muslim or a kind of entity, um, which tries to explore the arguments about security and police and war through a series of figures that the state constantly finds itself fighting wars against. So, for example, witches or pirates or zombies, and so, you know, that becomes a kind of argument about security and police that is conducted through, through the, th- the images that these figures conjure up, that the, 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 these figures have conjured up both in the history of political thought, but also, but also now, right? So, you know, what is it about the zombie that is so fascinating to us now? You know, what is it that's happening when we're being trained to imagine ourselves as, you know, needing to fight and kill zombies in the, in the apocalyptic universe? So, so readers interested in um, in that more kind of, if you like, cultural side of things, could always go to could could could, could go to that book. Obviously, the main book I recommend is the new one, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, we're getting to that. Sorry, Mark. We're uh, yeah. That's I think fine. it's really That's important fine. to sort of to get that sense of of what you've been. I mean, because you have this incredibly impressive body of work. Um, and some of which is, I mean, because you, you sort of range from, yeah, these, yeah, these more, these more detailed books, and, but you've also written, um, you've also written sort of shorter pieces, right. For other publications I'm thinking, um, you know, there's one in, in radical philosophy, right. Um, 2000 against security, which is from experience an incredibly useful teaching aid and, and sort of a good private too. Right. So yeah, I, I, really, um, I want people to go and look at your earlier work too, and now let's get to the book, um, which is equally fascinating. So um, what I want to know uh, before we really get into it is, you know, why why was this book necessary? You know, what what are the stakes of this concept of immunity that you discuss in the book? I mean, I mean why immunity? This isn't, as um, we are talking about just before the interview, you said, well, this isn't a book about COVID per se, anything like that, although it's very, very timely indeed um but what so why 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 does it matter
1: sure um yeah so look the book the book has its origins it's it's a pre-covid book most of it was written before covid hit us it was it was finished during the covid the first year of covid um but it has its roots in a, in a very personal experience, which was that in 2015, I was diagnosed with a, an autoimmune disease. Um, so as you may have, have picked up having read the book, there's a few comments in there that point to this, but I don't make it a personal book. In other words, it's not a a misery memoir um of the kind that might have sold well um i did actually contemplate writing a much more personal book um at the time and then realized it wasn't um a genre that may was i was i was particularly comfortable with so the the personal is very much um buried behind the political in the book but there are a few moments where i do reveal my hand, so to speak um the thing about being di- – as you know, the book is also – is not just about immunity. It's about the autoimmune disease and how we might think politically with, with that about security. And we can come to that in just a moment. But um, I'll tell you the the, the personal background here. The, when I was diagnosed with this autoimmune disease, which came on all of a sudden – in other words, I woke up one morning and could barely move um, – I started reading as I was going through the initial consultations in the hospital and like I started – and when I was first diagnosed, I started reading about immunity Right in the way that one does. You know, you're diagnosed with X and so you think, well, I better get on to understanding what X is. Um, and it's a bit strange because if you pick up um, the kind of popular li- literature on your immune system, and if you go into the even more kind of uh, scientific, medical, biological literature on the immune process, Um, It's a bit strange because you, you, you end up reading books about politics in that all of the images that writers use to describe the immune system are deeply, deeply political. So you'll find the immune system being described as um, a bit like, you know, Hobbes' Leviathan, right? This massive security state designed to protect everything within it. Or you'll find um, the immune system described as uh, as equivalent to George Orwell's 1984, right? Designed to stop any disruption and dis- designed to keep out all those those enemies. Or you'll find most commonly. Um, the immune system described as conducting all-out warfare, permanent warfare, um, and you get this in terms of its popular images, right? Your your white blood cells launch attacks on viruses and so forth. But you also find it embedded in the literature. So literally, you can you can pick up a book on the immune process and find references to Carl von Clausewitz's on war. So. It was a bit strange. I was there trying to learn about, you know, what was going on with my body, and was suddenly reading about these, fig- these figures in the history of political thought or these images from, from, um, from politics, which resonated me with me, given my interest, uh, my previous interests. So I thought, well, this is this is kind of interesting. I need to go into it a little bit more. So I started doing some more reading. I read up the those political thinkers whose work I had known to be on immunity, but I hadn't really expressed that much interest in. So, for example, Nicholas Luhmann, the social theorist who organises a lot of his arguments about society through the idea of um, society has as having a an immune process to protect it, or the the Italian philosopher Roberto Esposito. So I started doing some kind of more general reading, if you like, more philosophical reading. Um, and then I came up against the kind of central conundrum, which was uh, both a, a conundrum for me and also the kind of entry into the book, which is, which is this, right? The autoimmune disease is a disease in which the immune system attacks part of the body, right? So, if you take something like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, in rheumatoid arthritis, the immune system attacks the body's linings, mostly it's linings in the joints, and it destroys the, the, the those linings. Yeah, so you end up in incredible, incredible pain. Now, there are a whole range of different immune diseases, right? 70, 75, 80, no one really knows, but there's lots of them. And more more and more diseases or disorders are getting increasingly classified as autoimmune. So, for example, MS used to be thought of as neurological, but now it's being understood as as an autoimmune disease. Okay, so... We have a conundrum, a conundrum that's initially personal, right? In the sense that something weird is going on with your body, right? My body is attacking me. This goes against everything we know about what our bodies are supposed to do, right? And in particular, what our immune system is supposed to do, because we are constantly told that our immune system is there to protect us or defend us or give our body security, Right? In other words, my security system, the immune process, has turned against me. It is trying to destroy me. Okay, now, on a very personal level, when you say to doctors, how does this happen? What's made it happen? They all go, don't know, right? What causes it? We don't know. Well, there's an interesting thing discussion to be had there around around um, the relationship between the psyche and the somatic which I try and do a little bit in the book okay now this poses a problem politically of course as well right we've got we've got a problem that is as physiological why does the body do this we've also got a problem that is if you like psychoanalytical what is it about myself that my that I have opened the door for my body to start destroying myself right? that's not just a physiological issue to be treated with with the various drugs that one takes that is a deeply psychoanalytic issue yeah we're engaged in self destruction when we should be engaged in self defense or self protection okay but politically this is where the, the 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 book kind of took as its starting point what we seem to have here is a security system attacking the very thing it's meant to secure yeah now if that applies to this body this physiological body we might also think of it as applying to the body politic because of course one of the things we know from studying security right this is you know one of the things that you do yeah one of the things we know is that security systems have an incredibly common tendency to start attacking the very thing they're meant to be protecting they're meant to be securing. In other words, self-defense, self-protection turns into self-destruction. and We don't seem to have an answer for this. Of course, my answer is the critique of security and imagining politics outside of security. But within the framework of the, the world we live, there is no political answer. So this took me in a direction which it sets me up against a lot of the the political philosophical thinking about immunity, which which tends to say, look, an autoimmune disease is the, the image you get in the literature is is it, the autoimmune disease is, is like a civil war in the body. Or the autoimmune disease is like uh, a, a military coup where the the the, the 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 military have taken over the body. None of those ideas really make any sense right because in a civil war you have to have two fighting forces right in a coup there has to be a reason for the military to take over yeah but in an autoimmune disease it seems it's almost senseless right there's a kind of senseless slaughter of the body taking place in the name of security in a name of security that's gone gone mad yeah so it's not a civil war. It's, it's 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 not a coup. It's just an outright attack by the security system on the very thing it's meant to be securing. And this strikes me as a that this struck me at the time as a way to develop the critique of security that I'd been working on for for many years previously. That in other words, we could now push this argument um, into the realm of of thinking about the body politic. And I should say that also one of the reasons for this was because even prior to COVID, a lot of the thinking that was being done about security um, was being done through the lens of immunity. Right. So I give examples, as you know, from in the in the, in the introduction to the book, not only from um, security intellectuals talking about how we need to immunise the body politic but also um, uh, also from places like Facebook, right? Facebook's security system is, is, is called by Facebook the Facebook immune system, right? So there was this constant connection being made by the state, by the state's intellectuals, by security intellectuals, and by corporations and their security operatives. There was this constant connection being made between security and immunity that the idea was that we could um, we could better secure our system by imagining it through the lens of immunity. Sorry, that was a slightly long answer to your question.
0: No, that's great. Um, no, that's that's really fantastic. I <laughs> think that gives us a good grounding. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to, to ask... Um, how you went about researching the book you know because it is so wide-ranging in in the in in the sort of um, literature it's drawing on and, and the sort of I mean empirics right how did, how did you approach that
1: yeah I mean I approached it in a sense um, in, in in using much the the same um, unscientific methodology that I've used in a lot of my work which is kind of um, <sighs> read everything and follow hunches. Um, and a lot of it was based on a hunch. Some of them didn't come off, but some of them came off, came off, uh, very well, I think. Um, just, just little things like, you know, for example, there's three chapters in the book organized around the notion of system. Um, and I had no idea originally when I set about trying to think, well, maybe there's a book here, which I originally thought, well, maybe there's a nice short book here, and it became actually a very long book. Um, you know, I had no idea that I would be writing three chapters on the concept of system, but, you know, it, it uh, you know, just reading something, and I discovered that, you know, the, the the idea of the immune system did not exist prior to 1967, right? Now, that's quite remarkable, given how much we use the term and how nat- natural it seems for us to think about the immune system as a system. Um, it's, a, it's remarkable that in one sense it took so long to think of a, um, an immune process as an immune system, but it's also remarkable given that, you know, for example, we have a longer history of thinking about, for example, the nervous system, right, which goes back centuries. But one of the things that struck me was that, well, the immune system was imagined as a system in the heyday of systems theory. And so I started to try and follow a hunch that actually maybe the concept of the immune system was a kind of a symptom of the systems theory that was around at the time. And maybe it was also somehow an expression of that theory. Um, and so I followed that hunch. And indeed, that turned out to be the case. So you discover that, for example, um, the idea of information that is so central to systems theory become becomes central to um, immune, immunology and the idea of the immune system, that the immune system is, if you like, passing information from one part of it to another, passing information from one par- part of the body to another. Um, and so a lot of the time I was I was simply following hunches. Um, some of the time I was following leads from things that I've read that I thought, well, I'm going to follow up on this and see where it takes me. Um, and other times I just ended up going down avenues that um, became interesting to me in and of themselves and then became useful. So again, as you know, there's a, a, a discussion there about... Um, the autoimmune disease as a – as as it, it, there's a discussion about how useful it might be to imagine the autoimmune disease as a manifestation of the death drive. Um, and, you know, reading Freud on the death drive again um, gave me a way back into the work of Sabina Spielrein, who had first thought about the death drive and um, and it turns out that Sabina Spielrein had been reading none other than Eli Metchnikoff, who was one of the first immunologists. Um, and reading Metchnikoff's more, if you like, philosophical slash political work, one discovers that Metchnikoff had played around with the idea of the, a thanatos, the idea of a death drive. So suddenly... Um, although the autoimmune disease wasn't really considered at that point, right? people at the, in the late 19th century, people were, were thinking generally that this couldn't happen. Um, and although Freud doesn't make much of it, um, there seems to be a connection between the early immunologist or early immunological thinking and uh, uh, psychoanalytical thinking. And so there's an argument in the book about the death drive um, and the autoimmune disease, and that was really based entirely on a combination of just, you know, following a hunch and then following some leads and seeing where I ended up.
0: Right. Yeah. That's. Uh, yeah. I think. I mean, you end up in some really interesting places. So I think it, it worked out. Um, and it's nice to hear you sort of talk about. Um, yeah, how sort of the process of, of writing and researching, you know, went went together there, and it wasn't like you you came in knowing exactly what you were going to do. And you sort of followed it it where it led. Um, yeah that's that's super interesting. I mean how did yeah so you, so you decided to structure the book you've got these yeah it's it's it is broadly about these systems how is it you moved from um from sort of the immune system uh to you know you end up at nervous systems and then finally at this this final chapter immunity's fiction which we were just talking about um Earlier, I was saying I thought it was—you it, know—it struck me as a sort of a, a genealogy of the concept of immunity was part of what you were doing here. um Yeah, how 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 did you decide to like order the book in that way? You know, building towards yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't mind it being read as a genealogy of uh, immunity as a concept. Um, there is a little twist, which is, of course, immunity is this... It, it's such a fascinating concept, right, because it has its origins in in Roman law um, and not medicine. Um, and it's only in the 19th century that medicine, biology, starts thinking about bodies through the idea of immunity. Um, so if it was a kind of straight genealogy, it might well begin with with Roman law. But actually, the discussion about Roman law doesn't come until the final chapter, where I try and use um, the history of immunity through the, the Roman period and then the um, early modern period and how it it, it shifts towards having a focus on, on security, I try and use that as a way of um, talking about the kind of immunities that um, ambassadors had and embassies had as a way of protecting them from activities that are engaged in as, as, um, as ambassadors. And what I then try and do, as you know, is I try and say, well, actually, what we need to do is to recognize that uh, officers of war and police, in other words, soldiers and police officers, can be imagined as, if you like, ambassadors of the state, and this is the very reason that they have the very immunity that we find so so uh, troubling when it comes to them committing acts of violence. Um, and that, in the final chapter, is set against the the kind of myth, the fiction of civilian immunity, where we're constantly told civilians have immunity in war, um, and yet constantly discovering on our television screens that civilians are being killed left right and center far more than soldiers during wartime if there is such a thing as in a non-wartime um so it is in one sense a genealogy but the the early the very very early uh, incarnations of immunity in roman law don't really come into play until till later in the book um so i i, I don't mind it being called a genealogy but I think it's it's trying to do more than that um it's trying to take um the previous arguments about security in a in a new direction and it's trying to say look you know what happens when we imagine the body politic through the lens of immunity so you for example just a minute ago picked up on the fact that it it talks about nervous systems yeah um so there's an interesting difference between the idea of nerves and the idea of immunity when it comes to imagining body politics. Uh, the nervous system, as a political idea, has a long, long history, right? going back into early modern thought. So you can find, you know, Hobbes and Smith, for example, um, talking about uh, what we would now call the nerves of state, right? The nerves of the body politic. The body politic as kind of having a nervous system, but also in what, in some sense. Being a nervous system, and for someone like Smith, um, you know that that the nervous system of the body politic is deeply connected to the nervous systems of of human bodies. That it's something about our nervous systems that gives us a certain kind of sympathy for others. Okay, so we can imagine the body politic in that way, but what then happens when immunity? Becomes a a biological or medical idea. Well, it's not unsurprising to find that the body politic is then imagined as an immune system. Okay, so we've said a little bit about that already. We can take it in a different direction now, though, right? So, one of the the interesting things that's occurred in the last um, 30, 40 years is that. A number of people from different backgrounds have tried to say, look, <clears throat> rather than imagine the body as a, a series of distinct systems, we need to imagine the body as, 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 as having these systems connected. Now, this seems to me deeply uncontroversial, right? It's, it's if you like, it's bleeding obvious that that's the case, right? So, if you take, for example, the relationship between the nervous system, and the immune system, and the hormonal system—we all know full well that um, that these are connected, right? When we're nervous about something, you know, our bodies respond in a certain kind of way. When our bodies are behaving in a certain kind of way, our our our, our, our psyches respond in a certain kind of way. But you know, the medical establishment has 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 kind of resisted this idea for a long time now. In the last 30, 40 years, a body of work has emerged which has pushed these systems together and said, look, we really need to be thinking about, what they they used various terms originally and the term they seem to have settled on is psychoneuroimmunology. Okay, so psychoneuroimmunology says, you know, the, 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 the neurological system as the system of nerves is connected to the immune system, but they're also connected to the psychic system, and the and the, if you like the, the the other meaning of nervousness, the the emotional meaning of nervousness. Yeah, you know, the idea that nerves are not just the neurological nerves, but also something to do with stress or um, burnout or depression, anxiety. Okay, so. What that body of work has done is said. Well, now we can imagine things like, um, well, to take a recent book, *The Inflamed Mind*, yeah, by Ed Bullmore. Yeah, the idea that inflammation, as an immune response, is also psychic. Right? We can imagine inflamed psyches. Yeah, and we can imagine how nervousness, as if as emotional distress, anxiety, burnout, depression. How that impacts on the body how the immune system responds to that stress okay so as well as the idea of the immune of the autoimmune disease as a as an expression of the death drive we might also think about the autoimmune disease as an expression of stress anxiety depression burnout right okay so that in itself is interesting in terms of how we imagine immunity but now we can give it a political twist what happens when we imagine the nervous state right not just nerves of state right as in the sinews that hold the body politic together but what happens when we imagine the nervous state what happens when we imagine england on the verge of a nervous breakdown france on the verge of a nervous breakdown the capitalist system on the verge of a nervous breakdown right all of which you know is is a, 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 examples of of terms that one finds time and again in in journalism and political writing, that such and such system is on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Well, if we take seriously the idea that uh, nervousness in the body can result in an autoimmune response and therefore the immune system attacking the body itself, we can also perhaps draw a political parallel here. Here right that the nervous state responds by developing its own political autoimmune disease where its security system spirals out of control. Right In other words, it's a kind of, if you like, a, an anxiety within the state, a stress within the state, if you like, almost a political burnout within the state system that makes its security system overreact to its own body. Right. That's where I'm trying to go with this as a kind of as a form of, um, of political imagination. Yeah. So we can then draw together the idea that um, the state itself is nervous on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And as a result, enabling its security processes to overreact.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a yeah, there may be a connection. Here with uh with my with the last interview I, I did I just wanna I'm gonna boost that you know while I'm here um which was with the two of the women who authored the book uh, Deep Deception which is about the kind of ongoing um, spy cops scandal in the UK and 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 I think there's there's some r- really sort of important frameworks here in this book in terms of the thinking especially this is autoimmunity concept about how. You know policing um or other manifestations of security can sort of seem to get out of control or act in a way that doesn't doesn't make a huge amount of sense um you know if, if the if the rationale is to protect the population um necessarily right um and i think so i think there's a, I think there's a connection there i cannot articulate it very well on the fly um but hopefully our listeners will be able to Um, But in terms of how these units take on a sort of life of their own um, as well.
1: Well, and also that they engage in activities which destroy parts of the body politic that they're meant to protect. Right. So the victims in question there, you know, uh, it's difficult to imagine the kind of uh, damage that those 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 people must feel or have suffered in terms of having their lives uh uh i don't know what the word is uh, destroyed in many ways in in the ways that those police officers destroyed those lives yeah um but where this connects is not just if you like officers of the state officers of the state security services destroying the very human beings they claim to be protecting right Where immunity comes into this is that virtually, I think as far as I know in, in those cases, all of those police officers have gone unpunished, right? In other words, they have been given immunity for the actions that they conduct as officers of the state, as security personnel, yeah? And this connects to the kind of immunity that we see police officers get time and again when they conduct conduct acts of violence against people on the street or in their houses or on raids or in police stations or in police vans. And it's the same immunity that attaches itself, that gets attached to soldiers when they engage in acts of destruction and, and violence and damage um, against uh, against civilians in war. Yeah. In other words, we rarely find those, again, going back to this term from earlier, ambassadors of the state being prosecuted for the violences they commit yeah, because of this thing that they have called immunity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you for uh, yeah, articulating that much better than I would have been able to. Um, yeah. So we we sort of see how your writing here, you know, helps us to understand ongoing um sort of political questions crises um, i mean it, in a really useful way um, i mean you've, you've just sort of full of examples of sort of you know policing and in military contexts of this sort of yeah autoimmune um and this, this sort of questions of immunity and autoimmunity and how they work out in those um, and i i also think the way you you talk about the shuttling of concepts between um, the biological and, and political spheres uh, or, or juridical spheres um, is really compelling and, and well evidenced. I think it serves serves you well, and I and I think it's a form of analysis that you, that's useful for thinking about other concepts too, right? Because immunity not is not the only concept which is sort of transformed or given legitimacy through this movement between conceptual spheres of you know the the social and the scientific, right? So. Um, yeah, there's lots of other examples, um, which of, of sort of soci- of social political concepts which derive some legitimacy through appeals to um, the natural world as well, right? Um, and yeah, so I, I think there's a lot a lot more we could talk about there, but um, we should probably uh, probably move towards wrapping this up. i take it a lot of your time already. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> Well, I'm wondering before we do, though. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what's next for
1: you. Um, yeah, so I'm really at the moment working on two two projects. Um, the first is a book called Pacification, um, which I've I've written about before. I've tried to um, kind of project to kind of reappropriate the concept of pacification from if you like, the, the counterinsurgency theorists and to use it as part of a, a development of the argument about the state and security. So it's a concept that we can use to think war and police together, but it's also a concept that we can use to think about how how the state shapes civil society in ways that it, it wants. Um, so that's one project which I'm engaged in. That's kind of uh, got a little bit uh, to go but um, it's all almost there um, and the second project which is uh, kind of going but but is got much longer to go is is a book that's tentatively titled um, the Most Beautiful Suicide um, which is about suicide um, as you know, the theme of suicide appears in in the Politics of Immunity book, um, but this particular project is is very specific, uh, which is about suicide through um, through the leap, through the jump. Um, in other words, suic- vertical suicide. In other words, pe- in other words, suicide via um, People jumping from buildings, jumping off of bridges, jumping out of windows, um, which has a, specific, has a has a kind of uh, a, a personal interest for me um, in the sense that um, whenever I'm on a high bridge, I my legs start shaking. So there's obviously a combination of fear and and therefore desire there. Um, but I think there's something culturally interesting about this idea of the fall um, and the falling and the falling man, the falling person—a um, leap, a leap into oblivion—but also simultaneously a leap into, well, in a sense, a, a kind of freedom. Um, so that's the project that's almost, also ongoing, but is is further down the line in terms of being ready for for the. for for public viewing
0: okay well those both sound absolutely fascinating and I, i hope we'll get to speak about them down the line um yeah is there is there anything else you'd you'd like to add before we wrap up today
1: um no i don't think so i think um it's been interesting chatting to you and i you know really um thank you for your interest in the book
0: Great. Um, well, I know our listeners will, will, uh, will find the conversation interesting, uh, at least your end of it. Um, I think that's a great place for us to end. Um, so it's been wonderful talking with you today, Mark. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> and thank you, everyone else, for tuning in today. Um, once again, my name is Catriota Gold, and I've been speaking with Mark Neoghius about his new book, The Politics of Immunity, Security and the Policing of Bodies, Which was released with verso in march 2022 i highly recommend picking up a copy from your local bookstore direct from verso or any other ethical retailer or requesting a copy from your local university library Uh, so thank you for listening and thanks again mark for joining me today
1: thank you very much